You are listening to the PRC Students Podcast. This sermon was recorded during one of our former student nights. You can also find and watch this sermon on our YouTube channel. We pray that the Lord speaks to you throughout this message. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God is present in this place. Guys, just to follow up with what Johnny said, 7 a.m. prayers, it's one of the hardest things to get up because I feel like Sunday mornings is the best sleep you can ever get. Um, But I want to encourage you guys to come and attend these prayers. Um, It's awesome. We've had a kind of a a consistent amount of people show up every morning, um, every week so far. And uh, I want to invite you guys to, to attend as well. Um, so Sunday morning, 7 a.m., we're in the fellowship hall. Don't be afraid. Come inside and, and join us in this prayer. Um, I don't know about you all, but uh, this week has been an interesting week. Um, for me, it's been a, it's been a bad week. <laughs> it's been a bad week, and, and, and even today... I was talking to Johnny and Ben, you know, had a client that I was supposed to meet in Sewanee, but I get there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, nothing, nothing, and I find out that they actually meant they wanted to meet in Milton, and that was one of the worst times to go at 3 o'clock in Milton, which is past Alpharetta, so driving back, I was driving, I think it was like an hour a little more than an hour on the road. It was one of the worst experiences. I'm like, come on, I have to hurry up. I have to get to youth night. I have to preach. Oh, my goodness, come on. (laughs) And it was, you know, it kind of gets to a frustrating point where you're like, come on, like every time I got to do something, it's just, it's frustrating. But you know what, honestly, in all of this, as much as the week, as much as things have been thrown my way, I still want to praise God for that. Because I don't know about you guys, but Sunday night, for example, Sunday night was such an amazing service. Amen? Amen? I don't know. You guys don't agree. It was an amazing service where God was truly present. And a call to give your life to Christ was made. It was an amazing, amazing moment. And I believe after a moment where God is present, after a moment where God is working, I was telling this to my Sunday school class, Sunday morning actually. I was saying, what happens when the enemy, when the devil sees that God is working? He feels threatened. And that's when he starts throwing stuff your way. But it's amazing because praise God, God is working. He is working in this place. He's working in our church. He's working in our community. Amen? Amen. Um, Before we go further, guys, I'd like, to, um, I'd like to go before God, given that I've had a, a fun day. Um, I'd ask that you guys pray for me, that my mind may be focused on the word, and um, that our hearts, our minds, and our souls may be aligned with the kingdom. Amen? Let's go before him. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you that you have brought us here, God, to this place, that you have brought us here in this place, God, to receive your message. Lord, I pray, God, that you focus my mind on you, God, that you may focus my mind on the kingdom, Lord, on, on your words, O oh Lord, and that these words may not be mine, but, but they may be yours, O oh Father. 
Lord, I pray, God, that you may open up our hearts to receive your message in your name. Amen. Amen. So, um, we've been, you know, like Johnny said, we've been, we've been having this series, uh, I'll Do It Tomorrow. Uh, Johnny started off preaching about seasons and, and uh, the purpose for seasons. Um, but then we spoke about sanctification last week, and I know that was like an information overload, and I'm sorry for that. Um, today I want to talk about something that I'm actually, I'm an expert on. Um, I uh, trained for 12 years professionally um, for this, and it's, um, I want to talk about procrastination. Um, we were going to preach it last week, but we put it off for a bit. <laughs> promised David that I wouldn't say that joke, but I did. I'm just kidding, guys. Um, but I want to talk about procrastination, and, and really and truly, we laugh about it, but I know I'm not in the, alone in this boat, that we've all kind of been trained on this uh, procrastination, you know, 12 years in grade school, and then you go to college, and guess what? Those are like the big leagues. That's like when you get drafted into like college football, only it's like college procrastination. And that's where it's really, when you're really put to the test, and a lot of times you fail. <laughs> but I've been an expert procrastinator. And I've been a procrastinator for so long. And, and, and I remember in high school, there was one year, I think, I want to say it was my sophomore or junior year, I had an essay due. And I procrastinated so much, I literally wrote the essay on my phone on the way to that class. <laughs> and I get there and I say, hey, uh, can I print this out? He's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. It's like, I forgot to print it out. It was a lie, and it was bad, and I repented. <laughs> but I was good at procrastinating. But that's not always the case. There would be those times where you procrastinate so hard that what happens? You end up not doing it. You end up failing. You end up failing miserably. So today we want to talk about this. We want to talk about it, and I know that Procrastination doesn't sound like a, a big topic. It sounds like something minor, something easy, something, you know, I even asked on my Instagram. I don't know if you guys follow me, a shameless plug, follow me on Instagram. Um, you know, 2020 transformation, I'm 2021. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but I put it up on Instagram. I was like, you know, do you believe that procrastination is a sin? Yes or no? And there was a good amount of people that said yes, but there was also a good amount of people that said no. And really, I had a conversation with Ben, actually, and we were talking about this. And I know it seems like, again, I know it seems like it's not a big deal, but procrastination can be rooted deep. It can be a deep topic, a deep and serious topic. And that can have deeper issues. And I want to talk about that stuff tonight. So procrastination essentially means putting off something for another time. So delaying something. So talking about procrastination, talking about the root of it. So the first root that we see in procrastination would be laziness. And that's the truth. It's something harsh. Laziness or irresponsibility. It's, it's a harsh thing, and I know it sounds mean to say sometimes we're just being lazy. But it's the truth. 
And we look at our society and we can't really blame ourselves because we look at society and society promotes laziness. It promotes it so much. Look at drive throughs I don't remember the last time I stepped in a restaurant. It's great. <laughs> Everything's easy. And now you can get, so what? If you go to Starbucks, you order on the app, and when you get there, it's quicker. Everything is easy. Look at these infomercials. I don't know if you remember some of these infomercials. Like there would be like the six-second ab workout where you strap something to your abs, <laughs> and in six seconds, you're supposed to get an ab. Like, really? Or I saw one today. It was for a double chin toner. I'm like, my double chin is toned. It's hiding behind my beard. <laughs> Why do you think I have one? <laughs> We're constantly attempting to make life easier because we've gotten lazier. You know, even there's, there's these uh, books. We look in the libraries, and there's so many books of get rich in five e easy steps or YouTube. How many of you get lost in the YouTubes of, of billionaire by 25, you know, or these different um, quick get-rich schemes? I was talking with um, Andrew a few years back about pyramid schemes where we almost got sucked into one, you know. <laughs> Sorry to call you out, but taking, we're both going down over there. <laughs> Johnny spoke about it Saturday at Reverend Night. Um, pyramid schemes, they're get-rich-quick get schemes. That's what it is. It's an attempt to make life easier. But it's because we've gotten lazier. And sometimes we blame our laziness on being perfectionists. We say, well, I'm waiting on the perfect time. You can wait on the perfect time all you want. Your essay is still due in first period. And oftentimes we wait so long for that perfect, like, topic that it never comes to us. And then when we think we got it, we rush through it. And what happens? We don't even do a good job. So calling ourselves a perfectionist would be a lie. We fall into this pit of laziness, of laziness, and constantly uh, circling around it. A quote I read by, by John C. Maxwell, a friend of mine, he, he sent it to me, and I sent it to the leadership group. I love this quote. It says, maturity doesn't come with age. Maturity comes with acceptance of responsibility. I'll say that again. Maturity doesn't come with age. Maturity comes with acceptance of responsibility. You see, laziness has to do with a lack of maturity. And so if we're saying we're maturing in our walk with Christ, we must accept the responsibility that comes with it. You see, to overcome laziness, you must strengthen your discipline and grow in responsibility. And Scripture has a lot to say about laziness. Um, an example, King Solomon writes in, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, and this is a really harsh uh, uh, passage, but he says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without, without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Like, that's harsh. 
He's saying you're lazy. <laughs> He's saying you're lazy. Go ahead and sleep. Go ahead and sleep. It's okay. Poverty is going to come to you quick. He's saying get up and get grinding. Like get up and, 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 and go to work. Do something. Proverbs 15, 19, it says, The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. He is saying that, pe- that lazy people have trouble in life, but the upright, the hard workers, the harnich, they have a smoother way. Think about it. There's often times in our lives where it's just like we can't catch a break. And I'm not talking about like issues that arise, health issues or whatnot. I'm talking about just random things, things happening to us and constantly it's like problem after problem. The question is, is, is it a root of laziness? Is it because we have been lazy? Because we're not working for it? Procrastination rooted by laziness only brings about trouble. You know, an, uh, an example would be, look at the gym. If you skip the gym for so long, what happens when you go back? You're weaker. You're not as strong. You're not... <laughs> Johnny's laughing. I, I started jumping rope again last night. <laughs> my first jump, I hurt my leg. <laughs> I need to give up on this. I promise you I'm gonna come one day and say, I started jumping rope and I'm okay. Today's not that day. Um, But think about the gym or think about an instrument. What happens if you don't play your instrument for a while? When you come back to it, it's gonna be extremely hard. During quarantine, I thought I was gonna become some, um, you know, trying to think of a famous trumpet player and I can't think of one but I thought I was gonna be a famous trumpet player Uh, and so I'm like they Adi uh, you know give me your old trumpet I'm gonna go and buy a mouthpiece I bought a new mouthpiece and I played for 10 minutes and I realized that I am not I I was gonna say once the trumpet player that I once was but no I still wasn't good back in the day but I was even worse now you know, in the past, I was saying, like, the only reason why they kept me around at first trumpet was, you know, I wasn't good at, at keeping tempo. Terrible. Offbeat. Horrible. I wasn't good at keeping the note. Like, no. What I was good at was I was extremely loud. <laughs> That's the only reason. And I can say this honestly because I was told this. <laughs> But when I came back during quarantine in my room, I, pulled a, I put on a mouthpiece and I'm like, let's go. At least I'll be loud. I wasn't even loud. <laughs> because laziness, it hinders growth. It holds us back. And so when you're not practicing, when you're not uh, uh, attempting to improve, you fall back. Hard work produces strength and discipline. The second root of procrastination is fear. And this can be a fear in failure or sometimes maybe a fear to start. 
like an anxiety or an insecurity, or maybe even indecision, the fear of making wrong decisions. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13 through 14, it says, this la the lazy person claims, there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As the door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. You see, fear holds us back. It can slow down growth, and it keeps us from moving forward. It holds us back because we're constantly afraid of what's ahead. But you see, in this passage, he's saying, he's saying that we've become, we've, we've, we've let fear take over us. It says, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person churns over in bed. There's a passage in Acts chapter 24, verses 24 through, 30, through uh, 27. Paul is brought before the courts of the governor Felix. And, and as Paul is speaking to Felix um, and his wife, who, by the way, his wife was the grand, great-granddaughter or granddaughter of King Herod the Great, the one who um, ordered the babies to get murdered, in an attempt to kill Jesus. And so these, this wasn't a righteous couple. This wasn't a couple who, who lived properly. And so as Paul is in front, of, uh, in front of the courts, this is in verse 24. It says, Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was, with, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was, was seceded by Porcius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. So we see in this passage that Paul is preaching to them, which, by the way, he was supposed to testify to them. He was supposed to uh, uh, defend himself because there was claims of him causing problems in the temple and all this stuff. So he was accused of a lot of stuff, but he goes in front of the courts and he preaches. That's such a typical Paul. And it's so great to see in this, in this passage that he's doing this, and Felix what, is, what does Scripture say about him? It says he is afraid. That he begins to be afraid. He says, when I find it convenient, I will send for you. You see, there's something about fear. Fear can be several different things. It can even be a flight or fight kind of situation. But sometimes fear can be a conviction. Fear can lead to conviction. And in this passage, I look at it and, and, and seeing that, that Felix was afraid. That he was afraid. There was a moment for him to, to accept salvation, to, to accept Christ. There was a moment of repentance that he could have had. But fear, what did fear do? It brought him to procrastinate his salvation. Because it says here in the last verse of that passage, in verse 27, it says, When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. He put it off. 
There was a potential moment to, to, to allow himself to be convicted to the chance, for, for a chance of salvation. Now, would that have happened? I don't know. But could that have happened? I believe so. Looking in this passage, we oftentimes allow fear to hold us back, to hinder our growth. There's something about fear that, it's a side note, uh, going a little bit off topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's a, it's a passage that I've, I've really been into re recently. And um, it's, it's the part right after the prophets of Baal, right after that scene where when um, Elijah is there and, and with God he performs a miracle, remember the sacrifice, and God sends fire and consumes the sacrifice. Then it's here in 1 Kings, um, let me find it, 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm sorry. King Ahab, he tells Jezebel about what happened. And Jezebel, she gets angry. And so she sends here, it says here in... Um, I'm sorry, I'm still finding it. So it says, from verse 1, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. This is the part, sorry. Then Jezebel sent a, message, a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your God's life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose. So in this passage, we see that, that after God just performed an amazing miracle. Like, I don't know if you guys read that part with the, just a page over. Where he even says to dunk water on the sacrifice and on the wood. Like, I don't know if you know about starting fires. Can you start a fire with moist and damp wood? You can't. You can try and try and try. You're not going to get anything. And so Elijah is doing something even more here. He's like taking a step further. I know my God's going to work even further than expected. I'm going to make all the chances against him. But I know that my God is alive. And so he does this. And then Jezebel, she threatens Elijah. And what happens? Elijah gets scared. And he flees. And in this passage, at the end of... or. In a few verses, um, verse 18, or I'm sorry, verse, verse 14. The Lord comes to Elijah, and Elijah says, He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He's sitting here, and he's saying, I'm the last prophet. I'm alone here. But in verse 18, I love this, I love this verse. It says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Isn't that an amazing thing that, that when, when you're afraid, in that moment, Elijah, he's afraid, he's terrified. He's saying, I'm the last one, and even now they want to kill me. The Lord says, I have 7,000. I have 7,000. If I'm not mistaken, I think there was like 450 prophets of Baal. And God sends 7,000. In those moments when you're afraid, 
When you're afraid in those moments when, when you believe that, that you have no chance, that you're alone, understand that God sees you. God notices you. And that you are not the only one. Do not let fear hold you back. Do not let fear drive you. Do not let fear cause you to procrastinate. The third root of procrastination <clears throat> is the sense of control. Because oftentimes in procrastination, that's us trying to take control. Like, I still have time. And there's this passage in Exodus chapter 8, um, starting from verse 8. This is uh, the, 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 the scene with the plagues. And so right after the frogs come out, um, verse 8, it says, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron said, Moses and Aaron, and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs, <clears throat> excuse me, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Like the Lord sends these plagues to Egypt, and Pharaoh, in panic, he calls on Moses and Aaron, and he begs them to stop the frogs. And, and, and Moses, he, he simply asks, he says, when? You set the time. When? Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Because in this moment, Pharaoh's power, Pharaoh's control is threatened. There's a threat on his control. There's a threat. He feels threatened. Because in this moment, God is in control. With all these plagues, with all these things that are happening, he understands that he has to run to Moses and ask Moses to pray to God for the frogs to stop. And in doing so, he still needs the sense to feel control. And so what does he do? He procrastinates. He says, tomorrow. He let the sense of control guide him. And this sense of control, this sense of control is pride. The sense of wanting to control it is pride. The sense, the fact that we say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I have more time. I can do it. I can handle it. And we, we're constantly saying, I got it. The lifestyle of procrastination is the idea that I'll do it tomorrow. But Scripture says tomorrow is not yours. Tomorrow might not happen. So as you're saying, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, God's saying, no, 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 do it right now. Because tomorrow may never happen. You might never have a chance. In James 4, listen to what it says. James 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now listen, if you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. <clears throat> if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Thank you. <laughs> the sense of control is driven by pride. It's driven by pride. 
We sit here and we act oftentimes as if we can handle it. And I love how this passage, it says that, that we make our own plans. We try to control our own plans. How did that work out in 2020? It didn't. We oftentimes, we say, tomorrow I'll do it. But I love, it's harsh, but, but the way he says it, he says, why? You don't, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In the book of 1 Samuel, Saul gets anointed as king. He gets anointed as king by Samuel. And, and he fights many fights and conquers many. But then he is facing the Philistines. And we all know the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath, a giant Philistine, defiles God and calls out the Israelites to send a man to face him. And he does this for 40 days. Then comes David to, to the battlefield, and Saul sends him. David conquers Goliath, and then he moves on to lead many armies and win many battles. And even the women in the city, they chant, listen to this, it says, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. What happens in this moment? You see, to understand what I'm about to say, you got to understand Saul. In 1 Samuel, earlier in the book, it, it talks about how Saul was a handsome man, how Saul was a tall man, how he, was, how he was this great man. And as he was anointed king, he was called to protect his people, to protect the nation. And what does he do as Goliath is sitting there, as Goliath is sitting there defiling, like it, it, called, it, it says in Scripture that that. The Philistines are on one side of a mountain. The, 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 um, there's a valley separating them. And then the Israelites are, another, are on another mountain. And they're sit, sitting there and they're hearing uh, Goliath for 40 days defile God. Insulting God. They hear him for 40 days provoking them. And Saul is sitting there hearing this. But he does what? He procrastinates for 40 days. And then after that, he even sends David. Or maybe God sends David. Because there's this thing, and I say it often to those around me. I say, potential is not guaranteed. Because we oftentimes, we talk about, you have potential. You have potential. But guess what procrastination does? It hinders growth. It hinders potential. It hinders reaching potential. And so as Saul is anointed and called to, to defend his people, to protect his people, and there's this man for 40 days, for 40 days, threatening, defiling, insulting. And what does Saul do? He waits. He's afraid. He's lazy. He's afraid. And then we see, we see now that he is prideful. Because as he doesn't reach his potential, and God sends David, 
As God sends David in, and David conquers Goliath, and then David leads armies, and he grows in rank, and, and he leads armies, and, 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 and conquers battles, and nations, and, and he's growing and growing, and, and then you hear these women that, that they, that's an insult to Saul, where he, they say, oh, Saul slain, has slain his, his thousands, but, but David has ten thousands. Saul has his pride threatened. He has his pride threatened. And that's when he attempts to kill David. We oftentimes allow pride to get in the way. We think that potential is a guaranteed thing, but it's not. Because if Saul was anointed king... And if he was truly anointed king, and he truly was a man of God that was going to continue on, if he didn't allow this slip of waiting 40 days, then he would have reached potential. Procrastination, it hinders growth. I want to call up the worship team up. <clears throat> We look at all these, and, and I want us to stand up. I, I wanna, uh, we, we look at all these roots of, of procrastination. We look at it that, that, it is a, a, that, that laziness causes it, that fear causes it, that, that pride causes it. We see these things, and, and again, I know that it might sound over-dramatized, but I, wanna, I want you to hear me out. I told you, I used to be an expert procrastinator. I used to be really good at it. Now I'm just bad at procrastinating. Meaning I'm not successful. But I started off simple. You know, you start off with an assignment or two. Or three. Or four. And it grows. And, and, and you're like, okay, well that's just school. But you see... There's character development in this. And then asking a deeper question is, how much does procrastination take up your life? Because it starts off small and, and you know, oftentimes with sin, that's the interesting part, is sin oftentimes starts out as innocent. As playing with the line. Seeing how far... Or how close I can get to the line without crossing it. Maybe it starts off as, you know what, I'm going to hang out with this group of people. And you know how they live. But I'm going to hang out with them. And then you play with that line and you get closer and closer to it. To the point you realize that it's over there and you crossed it a long time ago. And that's the same way with procrastination. As simple and as funny as that may sound, that it may start, and I'm not saying it will. I'm saying it could. That there's a risk here. Because if you've started procrastinating in your school, in your work, in your friends, have you procrastinated repenting from your sins? Saying, I'll handle that tomorrow. You know, what is the thing that we say oftentimes with diets? Diets start Monday. And as long as you say that, Monday will never come. 
Why wait for tomorrow what you can do today? And I'm not talking about the diet. I'm talking about repenting. You say, one more time. Just one more time. But what if you don't last after that? What happens when, when there is no tomorrow? What happens when there's no step further? Because oftentimes we procrastinate and it becomes, it's like a virus. It, it spreads throughout our bodies. It becomes a part of us. It starts off as something small and laughable. I would boast how great of a procrastinator I was. But then it started infiltrating everything in my life. Are you letting procrastination hold you back from the potential that God has set before you? God has created each and every one of you with a gift. With a gift. And instead, we say one more time, uh, just this Friday, I'm going to sit in the back and make jokes the entire service. Just this one time. Next week, I'm going to be closer. We sit here, we make plans, but, but in James, what does it say? It says, you don't even know. You don't even know what tomorrow brings. Your life will vanish. I want us to go before God in worship and in prayer, but emphasize in prayer. Have we procrastinated in our lives to the point where maybe even we, we put off giving our life to Christ we say we have more time I have more time I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it next week I'll do it when I'm 18 because as I'm a as I'm a teen here I want to in my teen years in my youth years I want to I want to enjoy life and you put off giving your life to Christ I want to implore you tonight come before God come before God we're here if you need a prayer call us out come tap us but I want you to, 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 to go before God and pray that He might save you from this lifestyle. That we might be saved from this lifestyle of procrastination. And that we may reach the potential, that we may repent from our sins, repent and, 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 and give our life to Christ. That we may do it today. Why, give, why, put, why put it for tomorrow? Tomorrow may never happen. God bless you guys. Amen.